what are some of those performance traits? Just ask yourself questions. I had to really self-reflect and figure out what I was doing. And it was a, one of these fork in the road crises moments. And the next one was expand your perspective. It's incredible how we have selective awareness and we see what we want to see. Make a plan, like you have to write it down. Uh, act effectively, right? Hold yourself to account. Make sure you're aligning your actions to your goal. Go the distance. It's so easy to give up and so many people give up too soon. And then we have what we call the game changers. Be innovative, right? That's that, be open to trying new things. Utilize power of thought to get your winning mindset. And my super trait, generate enthusiasm, build a support team and get people excited. And those were kind of the eight achiever traits that helped me lead myself to winning the Olympics. What do you think it takes to be the best? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the big question, but that's well, what I mean, it's really driving a lot of people. And that, that like, right now it's not working and something's got to change, but that's the drive that's in me. Was there like a moment where that was awoken within you? Was that your lifetime working towards it? Like, what does it take or is it something else when you define it a different way? I don't know if the best is as important as your best. Mm. You know, mm. I think the best that's is... powerful. Yeah, I think that's great. I know it's cheesy, but like I did win, of course. It's easy to say, but I genuinely think had I been fifth, second, but I still felt like I really had done what I could do that day. I can live with that. I can live with somebody just being so talented that I will never have that talent. But if I let myself down and didn't do my best, that's really hard to live with. And that happened at my first Olympics. So that's why when I was in this situation, and I didn't do anything about it, I saw a year before the Olympics, I needed to change things and I didn't. I did what most humans do. I just went through my routine. I tried to ignore it, just pretended it would be okay. And it wasn't, I, I sucked at the Olympics. I left so disappointed. A year out for the second time when I had that same kind of rock your boat situation, I was like, I have to do something. I have to live with the consequences for the rest of my life. So I was grateful that something kind of shook me up but like i said being the best was the goal of course but i think let's when you're focusing on your best it's it's a little bit more manageable mm. i mean i remember those games 1992 watching this athlete first onto the scene gold medal in the backstroke can you describe mark as the athlete sure if you're american you'd remember it too <laughs> because i beat the american that's right good news that's right all of canada's just cheering right now um, so athletic mark, I mean, I was a, a hard worker. I was a lot of energy. Um, I, I loved swimming because it kind of gave me an out. It let me see the world and it was um, meritocratic. You know, if you work hard, you can be recognized and rewarded for it. Um, but I just feel like I was part of a great team. I was part of an era of swimming that I saw the generation before me be world record holders and Olympic champions. And so it didn't seem that out of the ordinary that maybe I could do that too one day. Um, when the time actually came, it was pretty scary <laughs> because it's, it's you know, it's something to be the very best in the world at what you do, even if it's just for a day. It's kind of, to go there is almost as scary as failing. And would you go into that fear? Like, I'm just curious, because I do think it would be scary standing out there, you've got to perform at your best on that day. What was that like? What were the emotions? Well, on the day itself, it was very calm and confident, but the lead up to it, I had to get work through a lot of stuff. You know, I think that we often hold ourselves back from being the best we can be with our thinking and we don't even know it. And so, like I said, I had to um, 
to, to win the Olympics, I had to drop over a second and beat the world record holder that I'd never beaten in my whole life. So to think that, okay, on the most important day, I'm gonna, all these things are gonna happen, it was really almost fantastical. Like it was hard to be, like the first time I wrote down, I'm gonna swim this time, I laughed out loud because just, it seemed so unrealistic. But luckily I had a, I had a great swimming coach, Derek, but I also had a technical coach that was a synchronized swimming uh, coach, a woman. And she unlocked so much of my potential, including kind of my negative thinking, the stuff that might've been holding me back. So that by working through that, when I actually got to the day when it counted, um, I was just ready. Interestingly, at the Olympics, so in swimming, we have two races. Um, we used to, that now there's even more, there's three. But we used to have a heat and a final. So if you make the final in the morning, there's eight hours until the evening. And there's, you can't do anything more physically except rest, but it's all up here. And it could just be like, I realized that's where I used to lose was in my thought patterns and what I would, you know, all the things I didn't do that would come back to haunt me. But that Olympic year, we, I took care of all of those things. So when it counted the most, I, I, nothing came. I, I was like, why? Somebody has to win. Why not me? And it was like, why not me? Well, why not you? I mean, you got to drop a second off your personal best to, yeah. to win this race. Yeah. So if we're talking about high performance already at the highest level. And you say, and I got to take a step up. What was that mindset preparation like? I mean, what was that coach doing with you to, to allow you to work through those negative, that negative self-talk? So I just want to point out too, like to put context of what it means to drop a second in a hundred meter race in swimming. It's kind of like going from an A plus student to a D <laughs> or like as a corporation having to generate 200 million in revenue out of nowhere. Like it's one of these kind of like, what? Right? Like 12 year olds drop a second, 25 year olds at the top of their game don't. It's don't measured in hundreds of seconds and fingernails. And so it was just, I think it was the, um, because it was such a shock, because usually I was just a fingernail behind when somebody had that big of an improvement, it was the best thing that happened because it, it was like, I can't ignore it. I can't, can't just incrementally keep doing what I'm doing. This requires a major transformation in the approach I'm taking. That's where this female coach came in. Um, the first time in history, a synchronized swimming coach, a woman, worked with one of the best star swimmers in the world Whoa. from my country. And so those two things together for the very first time forced us to, instead of going from this kind of patriarchal command and control military style swimming mm -hmm. very patriarchal mm -hmm. male coaches do as you're told suddenly we can't do that like the synchronized swimming coach and i have to find a language to work together we've got to find ways to connect and collaborate and lo and behold the environment was perfect for innovation that's what we did we just started to do things that no one had ever done before and that started to build my belief right because I was always swimming four to six hours a day. So my coach would have been like, we're going to double down. We'll swim eight hours. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, just do more. You can just do more. Mm -hmm. And I knew I had to do that and new stuff to find the second that I was looking for. And she provided all of that and every little bit of it from the technical to the mental to the spiritual, because she was the first person I came out to, like the whole package. Wow. Talk about, I mean, transformative moment. And did you, in, in the prep, were you going dark? Were you away from competitions? Were you just doing this on your own and then, and then came to the Olympics? Or had this been something you'd kind of been working up to? What an excellent question. Um, so the whole Olympic year, typically in a summer season, you have two seasons, a short course winter season and a long course season. We would, we do, we shave. 
<laughs> shame on her body armor. Not only does it take your hair off, and I'm fairly hairy, so that's significant, it takes off the first layer of skin. So you're extremely sensitive, like a dolphin skin in the water. You can feel everything so clearly. And so I didn't shave the entire Olympic year. I saved it for the day of the race. I found at the, at the short course season, I was going as fast as I'd ever gone, and I was unshaved. So I was like, that gave me confidence, but we never knew. I've I, got another I, gear in me. Yeah, there's stuff there. Will it be enough? Is it mm. 1.2 seconds? I don't know, but I can say I'm further than I've ever been ahead. But it was all, it was saving it all for that day, which is a big, you know, kind of risky thing to do.